Hello, readers. Welcome to 20 Questions with Your Favorite Author, where we ask authors important questions like, why would you agree to be on this podcast? I'm Kelly Lincoln, Editorial Director at First Dragonship Publishing. Our guest this week is Darren Kennedy, doctor by day and novelist by night. Darren, born and raised in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, is a graduate of Wake Forest University at Bowman Gray School of Medicine. After completing family medicine residency in the mountains of Virginia, he served eight years as the United States Army physician and wrote his first novel in the sounds of northern Iraq. If it's not your favorite now, you will be after. Excellent! Welcome, Darren. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having me. It's, it is a pleasure. You know, I've, I've interviewed lots of lawyers who are writers and lots of teachers who are writers, but never a doctor. What started you on this path? I always liked telling stories. I've always liked movies, TV, books, comic books ever since I was a kid. But when you go to high school, then college, then med school, then residency, then you're in the army, there's not a whole lot of time to write or yeah. even think about writing because you're too no busy doubt. doing that stuff. But mm-hmm. then I got deployed to Iraq in 2003. And I always tell people that being deployed is long periods of boredom punctuated by short periods of terror. But you have to find something to do during mm-hmm. the long periods of boredom. And so our dent, I was the doctor for our unit and the dentist who I was um, staying in their tent, he had a Panasonic Tough book that he would use to look at all the dental x-rays. So when he wasn't using it for dentistry or all of our medics weren't using it to email home, I was using it to write my first novel. That's awesome. You're like, this is now my word processor. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't have a computer. And then when I ordered a MacBook Pro to -hmm. get sent to Iraq, it got stolen on the way there. So I, like the box showed up without the computer in it. And I was like, thanks so much. Well, good that they're cheap, you know? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Man, but it's proof. Everyone's like, I need the right programs. I need the right software. I must have the right thing. You really don't. Just whatever you have, you can make those words happen. And you are living proof of that. I literally bought a thumb drive in Mosul, Iraq, and I would plug it into the uh, computer and I would... Mm -hmm. uh, suck all my little files across to the thumb drive and I would keep that in my pocket at all times. And then when I got back to the real world, I mm-hmm. uploaded it and then I finished my book when I got home. That's so cool. Well, how long did it take you to finish that first book? Years. Um, because that was, the, I had never really, I mean, it was more like something I was doing to pass the time, but it was mm-hmm. fun. And I was letting like a couple of the people in my unit read it as I was going, because I was sort of making up stories as I went. So I wrote probably the first 50 to 60% in 2003. And then I came home and I didn't do anything writing for about a year because I was tired. Um, but then about a year after that, I finished that book. I wrote half the sequel, but then I was having trouble getting an agent. So then I mm-hmm. wrote the Fugue and Fable books. And then mm-hmm. I was having trouble getting that sold. So I went and wrote Carol. And then I've sort of circled back around. And as of last week, uh, it's interesting that we're doing this right now because the third book in that first series just mm-hmm. came out last week. Yes, perfect timing. Well, good. That's what we're here to talk about. I'm excited. So what's the one thing you do differently now than when you first started that's made the difference in your end product? I know a heck of a lot more about 
I think I know a heck of a lot more about what I'm doing now than I did before. I know how to structure. I, I, I sort of have figured out how I write books, sort of. Um, mm-hmm. I, they, they always say that every time you write a book, you're, you're learning how to write that book. And I've heard that, and I believe that that is true. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have a little bit of a system. Like I, I know that I typically write about 32, 3,000 word chapters, and that gets me right around 100K. Uh, and so with the, with the new series that I'm working on, I'm about 1.6, 1.7 books into a new series. And mm-hmm. I just put 32 uh, little open files in Scrivener. And then when I hit about 3,000 words, I know I need to say something that sounds like dun, dun, dun. So I can go <laughs> ahead and start the next chapter. The next chapter. I love yeah. that. I literally, right. did, I literally went to Starbucks, had a drink, wrote dun, dun, dun came home and hopped on the computer just now. That's so awesome. <laughs> That's li- literally what happened tonight. I just finished chapter, hang on. I can tell you, I just finished chapter 21. So oh, almost 12 to go, 12 to go. That's awesome. Um, Just wondering, do you play an instrument? Uh, Let's see. In high school and college, mm-hmm. I played trumpet, and I was in marching band, and I was in symphonic band. I never got to play in an orchestra. I've, I would have mm-hmm. really enjoyed that. Um, in med school and for many, many years, I don't play as much as I used to. I picked up guitar because all my friends could play guitar, and I could not, and that was unacceptable. <laughs> I, I can make a harmonica make sounds, but I'm not all that great, and I can sing reasonably well to where people don't run screaming from the room if I hum a tune. So that's handy. That is handy. And so the reason I ask for everyone going, why did she ask that weird question is because the Fugue and Fable series. I love that how music and art is such an integral part of that. I was wondering why. uh, So that you do play instruments, you understand music a bit. Why Russian composers? What about that era spoke to you? So. It's one of those. A lot of my writing ends up being sort of. It just kind of, that's just the way it happened. Um, mm-hmm. So the story about me and the Russian composers is there's mm-hmm. a progressive rock band from the 70s called Emerson, Lake, and Palmer that over the years did two different versions of pictures at an exhibition by Modest Mussorgsky. They did one in 1974 and mm-hmm. one in the early 90s on their penultimate album. And uh, both of them are very good. And I wasn't really familiar with the original music. And then when I was still down in Columbus, Georgia, in the Army, my friends uh, Jen and Ben took me to see the, the Columbus Symphony actually do the original pictures at an exhibition. And I'm like, well, that was awesome. So I kind of listened to it a lot. Uh-huh. And then I bought the CD. And then one time I flipped the CD over and was like reading all the uh, different movements. Because if you're not familiar with it, it's basically you walking through a art gallery and looking at 10 different paintings that inspired the original piece of music in the mid 1800s. And all of a sudden I'm like, those look like chapter titles. And then I went, I want to write a book about pictures in an exhibition. So I did. Awesome. And that's the Mussorgsky one, right? Right. And that's cool. So that's the first book. Yeah. And then, and then because I needed a character to walk through the pictures in an exhibition, my dad Mm -hmm. was a big fan of Scheherazade, which is by Rimsky Korsakoff. So the first book is literally Scheherazade walks through pictures at an exhibition. That's just so cool. It's just fun how these things come together, right? And you're like, I must create. 
I love it. I love it. So your main character in this series, at least for the first couple books, is Mira Teodor. Correct. And she can travel in people's minds. Like that's why she's walking through this, right? What made you choose this specific ability? All right. It's, that's a really good question. Uh, <laughs> so since I've already told you that I didn't come up with, I want to tell a story about Mira and Anthony. I was like, mm-hmm. I want to tell a story that is based on pictures at an exhibition. So mm-hmm. if you are going to take a piece of music and actually walk through it as if it's a physical place, then the only place where art, music, and imagination really can come together and actually be a setting would be inside of someone's mind, because otherwise you're going to have an, an even more contrived plot than the one I came up with. <laughs> and, uh, and then if the setting of your story is a mind, then the character who is going to walk through it needs to be a psychic. And I thought that the perfect person to be the setting would probably be somebody maybe a little bit on the autism spectrum, because I would need someone with a basically encyclopedic knowledge of Russian classical music for all the detail to be there. And then I would need and, it, and it, you know, I don't think I ever really considered it being a male psychic. I, I wanted uh, Mira or that character. Her original name was Danielle. Not everybody knows that. But uh, I, <laughs> I, I got about four or five chapters into the original thing. And I'm like, her name is not Danielle. That's just not the right name. And then she became Mira, which means to see in Spanish. And then Teodor is the Spanish word for weaver. So she's like a dream weaver. That's so cool. So uh, that's her name. And now there's a character in my new series who is Danielle. I just had Danielle as the wrong person. So You just uh, knew Danielle was going to happen. I yeah, like that. It's like, like, that's not Danielle. That's ha- that, happened in my, that happened in my chess series, too. I'll tell you about that later. But, uh, <laughs> that's but, funny. Uh, Sometimes we just have to put names in as placeholders till we find yeah, the right name. I get it's that. It's not the right name. Yeah, so the original question was I, – I went off on a tangent. That never happens. But uh, – uh, Tangents are fun. Why do you think we do this? No, keep oh, it up. Oh, yeah. Uh, that always happens. That's just uh-huh. me. So what was the original question? Um, I think that was that. What, what made you choose this ability? You actually answered it. So, no, you did good. And, 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 and when, you, when you read it. It was the, problem solving. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When, you, when you read the story, what you find out is that her actual ability, what she normally does is she's like a finder of things. But she has never walked someone's mind before. So this thing that happens when she touches Anthony's mind is a unique experience for her. She's never, she's been able to like hear thoughts and touch things and get a reading off of them. But as far as like walking through somebody else's mind, that's a very Mira Anthony. That's it. That, that doesn't happen with anybody else. Nice. And it has a little something to do with Anthony as well. That is really cool. No, I've I've got to pick up this series, let me tell you. So let's see. Oh, we have a question from the audience. Spikeette wants to know, you have done so many things in your lifetime. Uh, are there any other new things that you would like to try? Oh, my goodness. Um, I really am interested in getting more into traveling. Um, mm-hmm. I, that's I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to start exercising the passport a little bit. Right about the time that I was going to start doing it, the entire world sort of got shut down a bit and we're and so now i'm hoping that i'll get to to start i'm i'm doing a little trip to uh i think the cozumel mexico area in june with some friends and so that's going to be my first 
you know, a lot of my friends have been getting back out there, but I haven't quite been ready to get on a plane yet. So June will be my first time on a plane again. And I'm like, fingers crossed. <laughs> Hopefully that'll go well. So I, I think the next thing I want to do is, I mean, I've been to a few places, but I'd, I'd like to start getting a little bit more travel. Traveling more. All the ideas will just come. Well, what have you read or watched lately that you've really enjoyed? I mean, since we haven't been traveling. <laughs> right. Um, there's a lot of stuff in my genre, but I was going to say, uh, everybody was watching this show a few months ago, but I... I said I'm not going to get Apple TV Plus until I've watched everything on Disney Plus that I'm behind on. So I finally watched Mandalorian, Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, got uh -huh. caught up on all my Marvel shows. And then Did you watch Moon Knight? Moon Knight, loved it. Mm -hmm. And then two nights ago, I'm like, okay, I've kind of exhausted just a little bit my because Kenobi comes out Friday, I, I think. I'm so but, excited. Uh, but I was like, okay, now the thing that everybody told me to do, because I just got a new, I just got a new Apple TV, so I get three free months of Apple TV Plus. And so I have started Ted Lasso. Oh, I won that one so bad, but I haven't seen it for the exact same reason you just outlined. <laughs> and let me just tell you, it is it is as feel good as a show can be. It's um, the main character is. I mean, he goes through his travails, don't get me wrong, but if there's a more optimistic character in on TV now or in the last 20 years, I don't know who it is. I mean, some of the stuff he says and does, and, but not just him, the whole show is very optimistic and it makes me feel good. It makes me feel good like The Good Place made me feel good. Yes, it's oh my not, gosh, I miss that show. It's nothing like The Good Place, but it makes me feel good like The Good Place did. Mm. See, we're going to have to. We, we keep going, what can we cancel? And then it's always like, no, but this thing is coming out. We can't cancel it. Yeah, so we're at the same spot. Oh so, my gosh. I so I so watched, in two, in two nights, I watched the entire first season of Ted Lasso. And when we're <laughs> done here, I'm going to go right over here and I'm going to start season two of Ted Lasso because... <laughs> I got to see what happens next because it was a great season finale for the first season. That's awesome. They put the right da 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 in there. You see, they oh, did it just for you. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I wish I was a tenth as funny. I mean, in, <laughs> as as the just the random things that the two coaches and the other people uh -huh. say to each other, their little random references. I'm like, I wish I was one tenth that funny. Then I realized, <laughs> well, they do have better writers than I do. <laughs> And it's a group of them, right? They're not alone at a Starbucks just trying to get these darn words down. Yeah, it is definitely different. Team effort counts, especially Team for comedy. Team effort counts, mm -hmm, correct. Mm -hmm. And, well, now we're talking about, you know, stuff that we're watching. If you could turn one of your stories into a movie, which one would it be? That is a great question. Um, the one that I want to see, gosh, it, it – it, it just goes around and around because I love each of them very differently. The one right. that I really want to see done, though, is uh, my, my book, Carol, is my one standalone. And it's a young mm -hmm. adult version of A Christmas Carol. Ooh. And it, if if I could put that book in the lap of the right person, it would be on mm -hmm. Netflix because it it's exactly what everybody wants to watch at Christmas. I mean, I, 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 I watch Christmas movies. I love Christmas mm -hmm. movies. And I... I wrote this thing to kick you in the gut and make you cry and make you laugh and make you oh. feel. And it's got all the feels. 
And so if I had to choose one, mm-hmm. I think that may be the best thing I've written. Uh, I love my Fugue and Fable and I love my mm-hmm. chess books, but man, man, Carol kicks you in the feels. Like when I start t- talking about it at the table, mm-hmm. if I think about what happens towards the end, I get upset. So I have <laughs> to like not talk about it because I'll, I'll like start choking. I'm not trying, I'm just saying that story does something to me and I'm like, I, I want to see it. And it's, and, and the person I really want to see it is, uh, mm-hmm. my, uh, spirit of Christmas present needs to be played by Alex Kingston. Uh, the, uh, R- R- River, River song. River. Yeah, we've met her. We love River. That, that's exactly who I, what it wasn't when I wrote her. It was when I went back and read it and said, I've got this boisterous person with long red hair who is just awesome with a little bit of a British accent. I was like, oh my God, I wrote Alex Kingston into my book. (laughs) (laughs) You could do worse. You could do much worse. So if I ever meet her, I'm literally just going to walk up and say, ma'am, please read this. Oh, and by the way, I love you and everything you've ever done. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for being you. (laughs) Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. She's pretty awesome. Um, Friday Blue wants to know, do you look more forward to writing short stories or novels? I think novels. Um, I used to write a lot more short stories, but I can, I, when I get into a short story that I don't work on the novel because I'll just plow on that thing until I get it done. But I kind of like being able to sit back down and keep going forward. My stuff tends to be longer, more than short except for my April Sullivan stuff, my necromancer for hire, all of her stories tend to come to me as short stories because April tends to take care of problems relatively quickly. Nice. Nice. With much stabbing. Or, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's quicker that way. I mean, I'm with her, you know, problem solved. It's dead. I like it. I like it. Well, let's talk about your pawn stratagem series. Sure. So just, you know, in this series, chess becomes more than a game. So I was wondering, do you play a lot of chess or was the game just a convenient backdrop for the story? So growing up, my dad and I had three main activities. He was in my scout troop as one of the scout leaders. So we went camping, hiking a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, me, my two best friends and my dad played lots of two on two basketball in the, in the dry, in the driveway growing up. But then, um, Neither me or dad were ever like people that were like chess experts, but we enjoyed playing chess. And so a lot of times we would just see the chess board set up and it would be on the coffee table. When I get home from school, we play a couple games and dad taught me how to play chess. And um, he's dedicated. He's the dedication in the first book. Mm -hmm. It's it's something uh, to dad who taught me a lot more than just chess. Oh, that's uh, beautiful. And uh, so I'm not very good at chess. My my cousin and his son, who live in Scotland, are both mm-hmm. like ranked in Scotland, and they go to like professional, like semi-professional tournaments and win sometimes, and they're awesome. And when I went over there, I actually went to the second oldest chess club in the entire world and sat and played my 13-year-old uh, cousin, who is Mike's son Benjamin, and and he kicked got, your butt. He kicked my tail. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, he's great. Right. I mean, yeah, it's like he's a nationally casually. Yeah. He's a na- he's a nationally ranked player. So he did he did really he's he's and and now he's like you know graduating high school and going on to college. I have a feeling he would just wipe the floor with me now. Um, 
So, no, I'm not very good at chess. Yes, I do know how to play chess, but it's more like what you said. It's just a, a, a cool motif. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's everybody understands chess. And, like, the, 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 the popularity of the Queen's Gambit really – it's a weird time whenever you have a book called Pawn's Gambit and a book called Queen's Peril, and then all of a sudden Queen's Gambit comes out and everybody's like <laughs> – and I'm like – Number one, I wrote my book in 2003. Thank you very much. But then number two, the guy that wrote Queen's Gambit wrote it in the 1980s when I was a teenager. So he also thanks you very much. This has just been around for 40 years and finally got made into a movie. It's not like some brand new thing. They've been trying to get that thing. It's the same writer who wrote The Color of Money. And, oh, uh, uh, oh shoot. Um, he's got three movies that everybody knows that are all by his books um the the two color of money what's the other one uh the one that came before the color of money i don't remember um and then there's another but um Mm -hmm. the queen the queen's gambit was the one book of his that had never been made because they never could figure out how to do it but now that we have the cool cgi that you can put the chess pieces on the ceiling and all that stuff Plus, it would made a horrible movie. It needed to be a series like that. It, so that's probably one another reason why they put it off. It was wonderful. I I mm-hmm. enjoyed the heck out of it. I think she. Yep, me too. Actor and actress names will not stay in my head tonight, but that actress no. chews up the scenery. Like you, I would watch her read the phone book. She is she's yeah. phenomenal. She's just great. She demands your attention, no doubt. No you, know, you see that thing, you know, uh, like when we were we were talking earlier, like about Adam Lambert. Sometimes you see someone and you're like, they have star. They have that star thing. They have the thing. Right? They have that thing, you know, and she definitely has that thing. Uh, let's see. Uh, Zafo tells us it's The Hustler. Yeah, The Hustler, The Color of Money. And then there's one other famous movie that's by that same. It's Walter Tevis is the name of the author. And there's one other really. Um, I'll look it up. Well, he's looking it up. Let him do it. That's his job. We get to have fun. Okay. Um, Yeah, I know. We get the fun parts. Well, I have to say, so you mentioned being in Scouts, and uh, we did a lot of scouting ourselves. Did you ever, like, go to Philmont? Yeah. Um, Did you? I went to Philmont in 1989, and my dad went, and Mm -hmm. a lot of my friends from my troop and other troops in our council went. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we went up to the top of Baldy. We went up to the top of the Tooth of Time. And what's interesting is uh, one of my buddies from med school, uh, mm-hmm. Will, Will and his um, sons are going to Philmont this summer, and they've been before. And so I'm, I don't think I'm particularly Philmont ready at the moment, but uh, I did enjoy that at the time. That was a, lo- that was a lot of fun. My I husband's. Yeah, my husband went as well, and he had three layers of blisters on his feet. So yeah, you do need to be prepared. <laughs> I think I think we did one. I think we did a hundred miler on that one back Woo. in the. It, it was in the late eighties. Yeah, they did eighty-two miles. That was far enough. A hundred. Whoo. It was good times impressive. though. Right. That's those are those things you can never trade. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. That's why they went. Um. Sorry, I was just curious. Uh, do you derive characters or situations from your time as an army physician and use them in your novels? I would say everything you do ends up on the page somehow. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people say, do you write about military stuff? And I'm like, no. And do you write about medicine? No. But I will have military or medical things in my book. And I think mm-hmm. that 
um, my stuff is, is my, my medical stuff is relatively well informed. Even I'm not a trauma surgeon, but at least I know mm -hmm. enough. Um, I do lots of little talks on how to make your medical side of your writing, even if not possible, at least plausible, believable. You know, yeah. Mm -hmm. Believable. Because mm -hmm. we all watch shows uh, that have something to do with our actual jobs, whether it's lawyers watching law shows or doctors watching medical shows, and mm -hmm. you get to a point where you're like, that's not right. You're like, not even remotely right. So, mm -hmm. like writers that write that first book and they get a, you know, million dollar check after getting their agent after only trying with three agents. Yeah. You mean like that? Yeah. It's every, every career. <laughs> Every career, they got them all wrong. Um, yeah, Spike, it also says thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, oh, and the other movie was The Man Who Fell to Earth. Okay. Wasn't that David Bowie? Did we talk about that one? Pretty sure that one's David Bowie. My son's obsessed with David Bowie. Um, There's worse see. things to be obsessed with. Right? No, he's got good musical talent. But from what you've said, you and him would actually get along. Um, so when you're creating a new novel, do you find people in your life to be inspirational or do you try to avoid any real people? Like I don't, none of my people are based on real people. That doesn't mean I don't take something someone said, right? But none of them are based on real people. Do you have any of your characters who are based on real people? Um, the, uh, the, the, the character who I just bump, bump, bummed, uh, in the chapter that I finished tonight uh -huh. is is a barista at the Starbucks where I was writing at. That's awesome. Do they know? Are you going to give them a copy? <laughs> I, I'm going I'm I'm to tell her. I'm going to tell her whenever I have it done. But she's got the coolest set of tattoos running down both of her arms, and uh, it's she's got she's got all of the horror movie. She's got like Chucky, Ghostface, Jason, Michael Myers, like on her arms. And she, every time there's a new one, she gets one. And so That's as awesome. I was writing this diner scene, mm -hmm. the the waitress who works there has all the exact same tattoos. But then, uh, because it's an urban fantasy, the da-da-da oh. moment, <coughs> spoilers, sorry, but uh, is she? she's the one that's going to join my good guys and go help fight. And the last thing I wrote before I came here is, is – she goes, I'm not going with you. She is. And they go, the waitress. And they look at her and she smiles. And then uh, Chucky on her arm winks at them. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> okay. That's fun. That is fun. That's the best that's, part about writing. Those moments. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what the new book is going to be like. It's, it, I'm having so much fun writing this new series. That's so cool. <laughs> Well, that's why I had a question. Is there something that you're working on that you're really excited about? So apparently it's this new series. Is this, so it's a brand new series. You have any books out by with it yet? Nope. I have one, about 1. 1.6 to 1. 1.7 books sitting on this, this hard drive. That's really cool. What's it? Do you have a title yet? Oh yeah. And I'm not going to tell you. You can't tell us. Well, not the book of the series. No. Okay. No, no. Come on. I want insider info. It's a hard, hard hitting interview. We talk about very important things, you know. All, all, <laughs> all, all I'll say it's an urban fantasy action adventure romance with a love triangle based on every 80s song you've ever heard on with uh, song titles that may be inspired by the oeuvre of Pat Benatar. 
Uh, Zapo says, please make sure to back up that hard drive. Thank you. Uh, that's what I'm doing in just a moment because I just saw earlier that I have it backed up in two weeks. So as soon as we get off here, oh, I'm taking yeah. it upstairs to plug it in and make sure it's all good. Get it all backed up. Excellent. Excellent. See, our tech guy, he worries about these things. Um, so we talked about characters that you've pulled out of, you know, inspiration from others. Which one of your characters do you personally relate to the most? Probably, uh, I think there's a lot of me and Steven, who is the main character from Pawn's Gambit. He was my first character. And so I think a lot of, I mean, I don't have a lot in common with him on a, occupational or anything but i think the way that he sees the world and the way that he treats other people is very very aligned with me so i wouldn't say i put myself into the story but i would say if i would if i would or wouldn't do it probably neither would neither stephen would either that makes sense. That makes sense. Sometimes those are the hardest ones to write. People are like, well, that's easy to write then. It's like you. It's like, no, because analyzing yourself is very difficult, you know. Did you have that experience? Was it harder to write him or easier? I know what he's going to do because I'm like, what would I do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a little easier for you. It's harder for me. Maybe I'm in denial about who I am. Um, so are you working? Well, we talked about that one. Oh, you know what? We're in the lightning round. We're in the fun part. Um. So we have very important questions that we ask all of our writers. So these are the, so I want you to consider them very carefully. Okay. Okay. This, the, they're very important. Okay. First, what is your favorite flavor of ice cream? Moose tracks. And I alternate between the vanilla moose tracks or the chocolate moose tracks, depending on my mood. I also like uh, uh, Ben and Jerry's with the, the chocolate with the brownie in the middle. Cause that's just, yeah. So, so good. Yeah. And then the ones that somehow mix in the peanut butter, too, make me happy. So all in that kind of chocolate, ooey, gooey category mil milieu, if you will. Mm -mm. OK, I think it's a fair answer. I like it. Can zombies climb? Depends on the writer. Depends on the kind of zombies. Are we talking... Are we talking real-life tetrodotoxin zombies? Are we talking voodoo magic zombies? Are we talking reanimated corpse zombies from The Walking Dead? Are we talking... Okay, what I'm getting here is don't ask the doctor about zombies. That's what I'm getting. <laughs> yep. Zo there's as many types of zombies as there are types of books. Uh, they're infinite. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, cats or Dogs. Dogs. That was quick. Good. What is the best thing you have ever, or at least recently, eaten? Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I like chicken alhambra tacos at Mexican Mexico eighteen hundred grill uh, on on South Boulevard. I could eat those almost every day. It's the there's some of the most delicious chicken tacos I've ever put in my mouth. They're so good. That's pretty incredible. And and they're right across the parking lot from Mugs Coffee, where I go ride a lot on Thursday and Friday nights. So it's just a match made in heaven. <laughs> Coffee and tacos. What more could a writer want? Exactly. I love it. I love it. Who? Well, now we talked a lot about music, so now I'm going to make you choose. By the way, I wrote this before we started talking about music. Who is your favorite band or musician? That is one of the hardest questions you could mm -hmm. ever ask me. Yep. And uh, quite frankly, I probably would not have put that one in if, if I knew how much you loved music. But now it's just fun to torture you. So I'm going to ask it anyways. 
It would have to be Queen. Fair. I. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is in high school, I would said I would said I would have said Boston, and then through college and everything, it would have been Rush. But my very first tape I ever had in fifth grade, my friend Chris Morris in fifth grade made me a copy of the Flash Gordon soundtrack with Queen. And I swear I can still know every note, every word, and I still love that. And since I was a kid, I I think you always, you never forget your first love, Mm -hmm. but also the fact that Freddie, Freddie Mercury was an angel that came down on the planet and sang for us for just a few years and then was taken too early. Mm-hmm. I, I, I got I got to say Queen. Yeah, you, I think that's you, fair. No matter what Og says, you hush Og. Og's very mean. And some, some of them, are, they're singing Flash for the record. That's the best part of that movie is the soundtrack. Oh, yeah, by far. Yeah, by far. Um, what part of your daily routine is an absolute must? Shower first thing in the morning. That's what wakes me up. If that doesn't happen, life is going to be miserable that day. Mm, That's fair. Shower first thing. And finally, where can fans find you and your work? Um, My website just got hacked. And so it's it's all... It's 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 back, but a okay. lot of my photographs are needing to be replaced. So I'm going to be getting on that in the next week or two. Uh, everything's up and running. All the information is here. Just all the oh. pretty pictures of this face are temporarily <laughs> absent. Uh, but I'm at DarrenKennedy.com. Uh, if you want to check out my books, you can either. Uh, I'm going to have to rebuild how you order books from the website. But for right now, you can either order them on Amazon. Just look me up by my name. Or you can look at – you go to your local Barnes & Noble or your local independent bookstore. Everything's available through Ingram. I have a Facebook group called The Chessboard. I have a Facebook page that nobody can see because of Facebook. I have (laughs) – a Twitter that I never tweet on. And I take lots of pictures of pretty flowers and put them on Instagram as Darren Kennedy author. Well, that's fun. I mean, we like flowers. Flowers are good. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So uh, now that Darren is your new favorite author, please make sure to review his work and you can review us wherever it is you get your podcast. You can also follow us on Twitch um, on HTTPS slash twitch.tv slash or double slash twitch.tv slash curse dragonship or you can subscribe on youtube which is uh cursedragonship.com slash youtube and we will see you next week where we have the launch of kisto healy's new epic fantasy the guardian we'll see you then